brother, so much. I am so thankful for the music and the praise and the worship of this church. Thank you so much. That beautiful quartet. I don't know where you're going to go to hear something better than that. And the way the choir sings and the way you sing. Praise the Lord that you know how to praise the Lord. A lot of churches don't. And then this uh, precious little girl. Are you the one that sang? I thought, what is your name? Destiny? Wow. Destiny can sing, can't she? Praise the Lord. And it's so good to see all of you tonight. I find that more and more when I go to other churches to preach, I am older than the pastor. Now, I don't know why that happens, but it happens more and more often. And I sure do love Brother Roger, but I wish he wasn't so young. Um, Let me tell you how old I really am. I am so old that I can remember when I would drive my car into a filling station and the man would come out from inside and say, can I help you? Anybody remember that? Anybody old enough? Yeah, a lot of old folks here tonight. And they'd actually come out and say, can I help you? And they'd fill up your tank. There was this older couple that uh, in those days that drove into a filling station like that and the man or the woman was absolutely almost totally deaf. And everything somebody said, she asked them to repeat it because she couldn't hear. Well, they drove up in this service station, and the attendant came out, and he walked up to the window of the man, and he said, can I help you? He said, yeah, fill her up. His wife said, what did he say? We asked if he could help us, and I said, fill it up. He started pumping gas, and he came back to the window, and he said, I sure do like your car. Where would you get the car? Well, we got it in Chattanooga. What did he say? Well, he said he really liked our car and wanted to know where we got it, and I said, we got it in Chattanooga. Well, the man was waiting for the gas to fill up, and he said, well, where are you heading? We're heading to Memphis. His wife said, what did he say? He wanted to know where we're going. I said, we're going to Memphis. The man said, Memphis. I know a woman in Memphis that is as mean as any woman I have ever seen. This woman has fangs. She will stab you in the back and cuss you out before you hit the floor. His wife said, what did he say? He said, he thinks he knows your mother. Now, I don't know your mother, but I know your pastor, and he's not mean at all like that. I love him. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. And let's begin reading in verse number 1. Mark, chapter 4, and verse number 1. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray with David tonight, Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them, saying many things by parables. And he said to them in the teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched it, and because it it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, 
and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Most likely all of us here tonight know what a parable is. A parable is an everyday story that communicates a spiritual truth. Somebody called it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In all the recorded teaching of Jesus, one-third of his teaching was given in parables. I used to think that parables were like sermon illustrations that we preachers tell. We're preaching a message and we'll tell a story to kind of help people see that truth. They will, it will help simplify the message. I used to think that's what parables were. Jesus told parables just to simplify the message as an illustration. But that's not what they were at all. Jesus did not give the parables to simplify. Jesus gave the parables to separate. What do you mean? Jesus gave the parables to separate the responsive from the unresponsive. He told the parables to separate the tender-hearted from the hard-hearted. And Jesus Christ spoke these parables that were designed to communicate spiritual truth in such a way that that spiritual truth would reveal the truth to some and conceal the truth to others. It would, it would show the truth to some and hide the truth from others. Now what do you mean? Well, every time Jesus spoke in a multitude, and there was a multitude here, the Bible says, in the multitude there were three kinds of people. First of all, there were usually his disciples, the twelve and a few other disciples. And then there were those that were not saved. They had not begun to follow Jesus, but they were very open to Christ. They were open to the gospel. They wanted to hear the truth. And then thirdly, in every crowd, there were those that hated Jesus Christ. Usually the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They hated him with a passion. They hated him from the very beginning. And they had no room in their heart for Jesus Christ. In fact, many times when he taught, they were talking about, how can we kill him? And when Jesus spoke the parables, for those who were open to him, they could understand the spiritual truth. Look at verse 10. Now, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said, now he's talking to those who are open to the gospel. He said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, the meaning of God's kingdom. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may, not, they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now he's not saying he doesn't want those people to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But here's what he's saying. These men had so hardened their heart that their hearts were bitter and angry against God. And no matter how many sermons they heard, they were saying, no, we don't want Jesus Christ. No way will we listen to Jesus Christ. And he said, the parables are given to them to even harden their heart even more. You see, it's like this. Light received is light increased. You receive the light of the truth, God's going to send you more light. But light rejected is darkness received. You reject God, you close your heart, you have no room for Him, and the darkness only gets darker. Now with that in mind, with that understanding man in mind, let's look at this parable because Jesus explained this parable. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 13. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? 
How then will you understand all the parables? This parable is very simple for those who are open to Christ. And so you ought to understand this parable. Now he said, here's the parable. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. I believe this parable is given primarily to encourage us who are trying to share the gospel. The word of God tells us to share the gospel. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, do the work of an evangelist. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Paul said, uh, or rather Luke wrote that Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God has commanded us to share the gospel. But I dare say that most of us really struggle with consistently sharing the gospel. You know why? Discouragement. Discouragement. We tried, and we think it didn't work, and so we're discouraged. And I've heard people say, well, I guess that's just not for me. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm not going to share the gospel. No, every one of us are commanded to share the gospel, but it's so discouraging. I don't get discouraged when I read the Bible. I don't get discouraged about prayer, but so many times I get discouraged about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, why is it, why is it that we get so discouraged in sharing the gospel? Well, I believe one reason is very simple, and we see it in this parable. We get discouraged because we really do not understand the meaning of evangelism. What is the meaning of evangelism? And God tells us very, very simply what it means. Would you look at verse number 3? Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. That is evangelism. Plain and simple. A sower went out to sow. Look at verse number 14. Jesus said the sower sows the word. That's what sharing the gospel is. The sower sows the word. We have the idea that evangelism never occurs unless people get saved. We see Billy Graham on television or Franklin Graham and they preach the gospel and the aisles are filled with people and we say, now that's evangelism. But when we go out and try to share the gospel and nothing happens, we say, I just failed. That's not evangelism at all. But we're wrong. Anytime the sower sows the word, that is evangelism. That is sharing the gospel. What is evangelism? Those five words, the sower sows the word. Now, there are many ways you and I can sow the Word. For example, have you ever given a Bible to somebody? You're sowing the Word. You're sowing the Word. You know, I believe that we'd be amazed at how many people around this area 
don't even own a Bible. When you give a Bible, you sow the word. Have you ever given anybody a gospel track like the Steps to Peace with God with Billy Graham or the Four Spiritual Laws with Campus Crusade? You give them a, a, a gospel track. You know what you're doing? The sower sows the word. There's so many ways to sow the word. You can sit down with a friend and you can say, let's go get a cup of coffee. And you and I have been friends a long time, but I want to tell you, there's something I've not told you about my life. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And you tell them how Jesus died for your sins and was buried and rose again. And by faith, they can trust him as Savior and Lord. The sower sows the word. What about this? What about writing a letter to somebody? And you write that letter and you say, I wanna, I, I'm going to put a little booklet in this letter and I want you to read that booklet because it's what changed my life. And I want you to read this booklet and if you're willing, let's sit down together and talk about it. The sower sows the word. An email, whatever. There's so many ways to sow the word. The sower sows the word. And that's what evangelism is. And that's what God has called us to do. You see, you and I cannot save anybody. You and I cannot convict anybody of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot change anybody's life. That's God's work. You and I cannot forgive their sins. That's the work of Jesus Christ. All we can do is sow the word. And when you sow the word and nothing happens and you fall into discouragement, that's the devil's attack. You are never to be discouraged when you sow the word. What is evangelism? The sower sows the word every one of us here tonight no matter how young how old can sow the word you see we get discouraged because we think that if we sow the word if we share the gospel if we share testimony and people don't get saved then we failed no that doesn't mean that at all you see Jesus told about the results of sowing the word and did you know according to this parable when you and I sow the word more people are going to reject it than receive it. Isn't that the truth? I go out and share the word and I, I, I think everybody's going to accept it. Well, they don't. I get, I get discouraged. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said most people will not receive the gospel. Narrow is the gate and hard is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. But the sower sows the word. Let's look at some of the results. Look at verse number four. The sower sowed the word, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. What does that mean? Look at verse 15. These are the ones who, by the wayside, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now the sower was sowing the word and some seed fell by the wayside. That is they fell on the path where the people walked and where the soldiers marched and where the horses went. And they traveled on that path and it was as hard as concrete. And the sower would sow the word and some seed fell on that path that was as hard as concrete. And what happened? There was no soil. And it just lay there. And pretty soon the birds would come and feed on that seed. Jesus said, sowing the word is spiritual warfare. And sometimes we sow the word on, on the hearts of people that are so hard, and they are so bitter, and they are much like the Pharisees. 
And the devil comes and steals it away. Sowing the word is spiritual warfare. Look at it again, verse 15. These are the ones that sow by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And sometimes you and I go to sow the word of God and people are so hard. And Satan already has a stronghold in their life and he's going to take that word and they'll never come to Christ. Is that your fault? No. The sower sows the word. Then there's another kind of response. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 5. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Watch that. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. What does that mean? Look at verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves. They endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now that's really discouraging because I've had it happen. You sow the word and they immediately receive it. But then they never last. I want to tell you, um, Brother Roger, I've been in homes sharing the gospel where people have received the gospel. They pray to receive Christ and I thought it was real. And I couldn't wait for Sunday when they came down the aisle. And Sunday came and they didn't even come to church. And the next Sunday came, and they didn't even come to church. And they never came to church. And they never confessed Christ openly. And their lives did not change. What a discouragement that is. What a disappointment that is. And I go around thinking, how did I fail? What did I do wrong? I heard them receive Christ in their home. I must have done something wrong. No. Jesus said, The seed fell on stony ground, stony ground. You know what I've discovered? Look at verse number number 15 again, uh, or, or verse number 16 again. Likewise, these are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear it, the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They immediately receive it, but they have no root in themselves, and they endure only for a time. Here's what I'm discovering more and more. When you share the gospel with somebody and they say, yes, I'm trusting Christ, you know how you know if it's real? Time will tell. Time will tell. I get, uh, well, I start to say frustrated. I shouldn't get frustrated. But I get a little uh, confused when people go out on mission trips. And they'll go to Africa or some other places They'll say, we shared the gospel, and 1,723 people got saved. Well, how do you know? I mean, really, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. What they mean is, we saw 1,723 people hold their hand up. I'm receiving Christ. And they left the country, and they never knew what happened to those people. How many of those people endured? How many of those people brought forth fruit? How many of those people, their lives were changed? 
I doubt all of them. And yet we say if they held their hand up, they say, not necessarily. Jesus said some receive it immediately. In other words, they think they receive it, but they really don't. They weren't sincere. They had no, no earth. They had no really understanding of the cross and what it means to trust Jesus. They were saying, yeah, I want to go to heaven. But time revealed they were not real. Well, this is the third kind of result. Look at verse 7. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Verse 18, let's see what it means. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and you think they receive the word, and maybe they do receive the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now it looks like these did have some fruit for a while. But then they got mixed up with the desire for money and the cares of this world and uh, other things that they uh, allowed to come into their lives, the desires for other things. You know, you look at Severe Heights Baptist Church, you look at uh, South Clinton Baptist Church or any other church, we have probably all of us together thousands and thousands of people who are members of our churches, but we have no idea where they are. What's their condition? Some of them got saved, but nobody taught them how to grow. They had a little fruit but their fruit fell away, and now they're useless for the kingdom of God. Are they going to heaven? Yeah. But they're useless for the kingdom of God. Some never got saved. They just never got saved. There was no change in their lives. And you see, if we put the failure upon us, we will get discouraged, and we'll say, I'm never going to share the gospel again. You know, as I said a minute ago, time will tell. I have, I've shared the gospel with uh, young men and adults and women, and I've seen them say, I'm trusting Christ, and nothing ever changed, and their life was the same as always. Time told, they weren't real. At the same time, I have shared the gospel with little children. I mean little children, and I wasn't sure, did they really get it or not? And I've seen those little children grow up to be men and women of God. I remember a, a little boy named Luke. Luke was about that high. And Luke came into my office with his mom and dad. And, you know, I, I just thought, well, there's not a chance this guy understands anything. But I shared the gospel with him the best I know how. And, and, uh, and he invited Christ into his life. And I really didn't think it was real. I thought, well, now later on he's going to come back. You know what Luke's doing today? Luke is in medical school training to be a missionary. Time will tell. Time will tell. But praise the Lord, there's another kind of response. Look at verse number 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. Look at verse number 20. These are the ones who fell on good ground. Those who hear the word of God, they accept the word of God, and they bear fruit, some thirtyfold, 
some 60, and some 100. And if you share the gospel, and that man tears up the track you gave him, and throws the Bible in the trash can, and spits in your face, and walks out, you have not failed. At the same time, if you share the gospel with somebody, and they become another Billy Graham, you can't take credit for that. It's all up to God. And what I'm trying to say tonight is, don't get discouraged. The sower sows the word. You keep on sowing the word. Because the truth is, we never know all the results until we get to heaven. Let me tell you how I believe many, many people are saved. Maybe most people in our churches. Let's say that I'm a lost man. Here I am. And all the way over here is when that lost man trusts Christ and is saved. Now here I am, I'm a lost man, and I don't care anything about God, but one of you live next door to me, and you say to me, "Uh, Holly, we've got a great church in South Clinton, would you come visit with us sometime? No, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. Never have gone, never will go. But somehow you keep asking me. You don't drive me crazy about it, but you just keep gently, politely saying, boy, I wish you'd go with us. And what's happening in that man's heart is the Spirit of God is somehow softening his heart. You don't see it. You don't know it. But what happens is he takes a little step. Well, later on he goes to work. And he works next to this man. And the man says, where do you go to church? I don't go to church anywhere. Well, I wish you'd come visit our church. We're having a revival. Would you come? No. But God's softening his heart just a little bit more. And he takes another step. One day he gets sick and goes in the hospital. He's there several days. And those from the church and those that have invited him to church go visit him in the hospital. And they say, I am so sorry you're sick. What can we do? I believe you're... Yard needs cut. It's okay if I cut your yard for you. I know you can't do it now. What about the oil in your car? Can I take your car to get the oil changed? What about your family? Can I take care of your kids while your wife is with you here for that surgery? What can I do? What happens? Somebody cares. And he takes another step. And then Easter comes. He feels like he ought to go to church. You've been so nice to him. So he goes to church on Easter. And he hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And something begins to happen in his heart. He's not sure what it is. But there's a drawing toward Jesus. And he's taken another step. And one day at a time, one month at a time, he takes another step and another step. And one day he goes to church and the preacher gets up and preaches and he takes that final step and he says, I want Jesus as my Savior. Now let me tell you something. You were not there to help him receive Christ as his Savior. But you invited him to church. And you visited him in the hospital. And you cut his grass. And you kept his kids And every one of us that did anything that God used to bring him to Jesus, we have a part in his salvation. And when we get to heaven, we're going to rejoice and lay our crown at Jesus' feet because the sower sows the word.
Let's bow together and pray. Now we're in, uh, we're in the month of September. We've got about three months to go for 2016. I want to ask you a question tonight. Would you be willing, the best you know how, to say, God, between now and the end of this year, I'm going to find one person that I can share the gospel with in such a way that he will understand how to receive or reject the gospel. You may write a letter and give him a gospel track in that letter and say, let's talk. You may go to his house and sit down and say, you know, I, 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 you visited our church. I'd love for you to come back. we got a great church. By the way, do you know Jesus? Can I tell you how?